Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger. We want to thank you for joining us today for Labors and Harvest podcast. And we're so grateful to have you uh, as a listener today, whether this is your first time or you're a returning listener. And uh, again, we want to welcome you today on this uh, opportunity as we're starting a new uh, segment in the podcast today with a, uh, with a guest, uh, Brother Alan Fong. Dr. Alan Fong is my guest today. Brother Fong is the uh, pastor of the Heritage Baptist Church in San Leandro, California. He pastors a growing and a vibrant church out in uh, the uh, Bay Area of California. So, uh, Brother Fong, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Labors and the Harvest podcast. Brother Folger, thank you for the opportunity to serve alongside of you, and I look forward to being of help any way I can. Well, Brother Fong, if you, if you would, as we're getting started today, uh, why don't you just, if you would, uh, share a little bit with our listeners about your life and your family, currently where you are, and and kind of what's going on in your life and uh, what's what's the makeup of your family? Yes, sir. Well, first, I'm <clears throat> thankful to be saved and uh, I'm married to my wife, Grace. We've been married 39 years now this year, and uh, we thank the Lord. We've had the privilege of serving together for all that time. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with three children, Carice, who's married with one child, uh, Tiffany, who's still not married, but we thank the Lord for, that she's just you know trying to do what she can for the Lord. And we thank God for Justin, who's married. And uh, so I have three children. They're all serving the Lord, and we praise the Lord for their their influence and where God has placed them. Well, being a pa- pastor in California, of course, uh, everybody in, across the world has been touched by the COVID virus. So tell us a little bit about uh, your area where you are, are pastoring and what it's, what's been like for you as a pastor for the last 16 months or so as you've dealt with COVID, specifically out there in California. Yes, sir. We um, we had followed this whole COVID outbreak from its inception when it started in China, just because we have a heavy uh, Chinese population influence in my area, uh, especially a lot of uh, immigrants from China. And uh, we're very concerned about its its origins and things of that nature. And so when March of 2020 came and uh, the state of California announced, as well as many other states of the union, that they were going into a shutdown mode, uh, they greatly concerned us. On one hand, we were concerned about not being able to meet in person. On the other hand, we were thankful for live stream technology. We went on with that, but along with other uh, California pastors, within several weeks, we saw that nothing was moving within our state in terms of trying to address the issue more proactively. And uh, many of us decided that we just were going to start back having in-person services. We did so, and um, we continue, we've continued having in-person services since pretty much the middle of last year. Uh, we resumed back uh, our soul winning, a little bit scaled down in the sense that during that time, since everything was shut down and 
everything, everyone had to wear masks and there was social distancing and all those things. We pretty much went to, uh, we, we went to kind of something we, we had not done very aggressive before, but we became very aggressive with just putting tracks at doors and praying over that. And we're just amazed that, uh, the influx of people that we have gotten into our church that we've had the opportunity to share the gospel with or, and to lead to Christ and they have been added to the church through just tracks at doors within several of our cities of our, of our greater Bay area. In the midst of all that, the time came when we announced to people, not just we were back in in-person service, but we announced to them and let them know that in our area that we were a church that was a model for safe assembly. And that was how we basically uh, portrayed what we were doing, a model for safe assembly and listing out uh, guidelines in terms of what we were following for the sanitization of our church, the safety of the attendees, and uh, basically the spiritual build of the people. And God just continued to grow his church. I like to say that everyone's come back to church. We still have some that are maybe because of health reasons or something else where they're, they're, they're hindered they're from coming. I like to say everyone's there, but they're not. But we thank the Lord for those who've come back. Uh, I believe a good core of our ministry has come back excited, enthused. And we have so many wonderful uh, stories to talk about in terms of the blessings of COVID. Uh, we've had people saved from out of state. We've had people saved from overseas. We've had our members, just uh, some who uh, just really took a strong interest in soul winning. The Lord used just every opportunity that he gave to us to just bring people to himself. Uh, we used that to go into this coming year to establish a very strong prayer ministry. One of the first things I did during COVID is we established a ministry called the Prayer Works Ministry. And we put out there in social media and other means that uh, we, had a, we had a prayer line that people could call and text us on if they had any prayer requests because as many pastors and others know that there was a lot of stress that people were dealing with. There were marriage issues and other things. And we started getting a lot of calls, a lot of text messages. And we use this as an opportunity to counsel people about that through the word of God, but also to get the gospel to them. We saw people saved through that. Uh, we saw that our, 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 you know, our audience of people that was a following started to grow. And some of those same people started with, with watching us, just kind of following us on live stream. We have become regular attendees now. And so we've had this very strong prayer emphasis using uh, Hebrews 4.16 as our theme verse, Come Boldly, uh, for this year. And we've seen some remarkable things over the last, frankly, since January, some remarkable things God has been doing in our church, some remarkable, miraculous answers to prayer. Uh, we're seeing souls saved. Or we're getting people baptized. We're just, you know, we just feel like the Lord's building his church his way, and we're just thankful to be a part of that. Well, that is exciting, and we're sure grateful that, uh, you know, even in the midst of something that we could obviously term pan pandemic or however you want to refer to the COVID crisis, uh, it's wonderful to hear that God has continued to bless churches. Uh, you didn't have really any problems with your uh, community as far as them saying, well, you're not able to meet or anything, because you hear some of that out there in California about some of these uh, uh, officials who have really made life a little bit difficult for churches. You didn't have to have an experience like that then. You know, it's interesting you asked that, Brother Folger. Um, I actually, the first thing I did was in April um, of last year, 2020, I approached our elected officials in our county, trying to be very cooperative with them and participating in uh, Zoom calls and things. But I quickly realized that this whole COVID thing had been, been just caught up with the quagmire of bureaucracy and things. And I wasn't critical of them, but I just decided, you know, we had to just uh, lean upon the Lord for what to do. And, um, you know, I just felt like, uh, you know, I, I, I felt under the Hebrews chapter 10 that we could not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. At the same time, I just felt like I'm not going to, I'm going to do it discreetly. I wasn't trying to draw attention from the, from the enemy, uh, you know, in terms of just drawing their ire and their fire on us. I said, they're going to come. We're ready for them to come. We were prepared ourselves. 
if they if they did come in to threaten us, whatever there. But we met discreetly and, uh, you know, we just made it very clear how we're doing things. Uh, even to this day, we still require people to pre-register for services. It's, it's a way of screening out uh, people who might have potential uh, COVID issues. And just just a few moments ago before we started the podcast, I uh, got a prayer request from one of our members because everyone in our church or outside our church knows that's what we're doing. Uh, just, hey, pray for my mother. She just came down with COVID. She just came back from out of state from somewhere and whatever there. So, you know, I think I think just it's something to be said that uh, I think people know uh, from all walks of life, uh, upper upper echelons of leadership, our community leaders, uh, politicians, and other and other capacity law enforcement, they all have been been ingrained with the idea that you know we are we're meeting you know we've been meeting very safely and not not scared of what's going on, but trying to be cautious for everyone's health. And so um, you know we haven't had any trouble with that. And um, you know, frankly, I think. Um, I think they knew we were meeting. I, I know people who are in our, our health department that knew we were meeting and I didn't make any bones about it. I didn't hide anything from them. And, uh, you know, I just told them you, you need to come to see why we're a model for safe assembly. And, um, you know, we did get some criticism from just, I wouldn't say more than five or six people from many thousands of people that we approached through social media to let them know. We did a video about this and just a few people felt that it was, you know, as a gathering that, that wasn't safe, but they weren't you know, highly critical of us. They just felt that that wasn't the right thing to do. But you know, people have come, and I think it's like the Queen of Sheba. They were they were just very surprised what they saw and how how uh, organized things were, and the blessing of the Lord upon things, and uh, the great spirit. I think the thing that hurts us the most is that we're slowly getting back our music ministry, just because again here in Northern California, it's it's kind of a is aberrant to everywhere else. I, I just found out yesterday we're probably the only part of the country where everybody's still wearing masks everywhere. Mm. And, um, it, you know, it's kind of interesting about that because everywhere else in Southern California, one wears masks, uh, other states, no one's wearing masks, but Northern California, it's just, it's kind of a thing there. Right. Right. So, but, but in spite of that, you know, people, people just see the sincerity. I just feel like our ministry has a, a freshness upon it that uh, we've needed for many years. We've prayed for it. We've labored for it. I think the best days are still to come. I think there's some incredibly new open doors God is preparing us for through all of this. Well, we're going to come back in, a, in a, uh, at, towards the end of our, our podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, some things that's going on in your church. But I'd like to back up, if we could, just a little bit, um, Pastor Fong. And let's just talk a little bit about your, your story. Uh, your story is a little bit unique in that you are uh, of Asian descent. You grew up in the United States of America on the West Coast of the United States. Uh, what was your life, life like for you growing up here in, in this country? And, and uh, are, are you like first generation uh, American in your family or um, were your parents also born here? Yes, sir. Good question. Well, I'm a second generation Chinese American. Uh, my father immigrated here in 1949 as the communists were taking over China and uh, met my mother here. She was a second generation uh, Chinese American. Uh, her parents came in the 20s and um so they met each other, married. I was born in 1957. Um, you know, I my mother passed away when I was when I was about a four-year-old boy. There were some complications from surgery she had. I didn't understand all that. That time it was not too many years later that I knew about all this. But um, you know, my father and my grandparents felt that uh, I grew up in West Oakland, and so they felt it was incumbent that they would send me to a Catholic Catholic school for educational purposes. They just thought it was safe. They were not Catholic themselves, but they thought that was what, what it was. And pretty much, Brother Folger, I grew up under Catholic influence, and um, I don't say this—I don't say this in a boasting way—but you know, I, I was for years, all the way through the eighth grade, when I graduated out of, of Catholic middle school, I um, I was number one in catechism, so I knew catechism in and out. 
Uh, I never was baptized Catholic, but I, I knew all the things about Catholicism. I could tell you about it with my eyes closed. Uh, I was an altar boy. I just had the favor of everyone there. And honestly, all I knew about religion was, was Catholicism. If I could attribute anything that was good out of it, I think it just gave me a, a reverence for God and a love for God in that sense. But always with a nagging in my heart, even as a young boy, nagging my heart, how can you know for sure you're going to heaven? I remember asking the priests and the nuns about those questions. They, could, they just beat around the bush, never could give me an answer. Well, in eighth grade, when I, met, when, when I left, uh, graduated from there, from middle school, our family moved from uh, one part of East Oakland to another part of East Oakland, even though I went to school in West Oakland. And the part of school I went to, my father said, you're going to go to public school from this point forward. And he says, I think it's a decent public school you're going to go to. And I said, Dad, whatever you think's best, I'll do that. And uh, that first week in ninth grade, I was standing there in line at the cafeteria getting some food, didn't know who was who, didn't know anybody there, just figured I got to make my way around here. Uh, another young man met me, saw me, and says, what are you doing sitting over there? Why don't you come sit with some of my friends and introduce themselves? I said, sure. And couldn't find out that uh, a couple weeks later, this guy had just gotten saved out of a Methodist background and uh, was just on fire for God. And it's a ninth grade guy, just really on fire for God. And he gave me some gospel tracts. I'd never seen a gospel tract before. Um, never read verses of the Bible, vaguely familiar with the Bible was. I looked at it, looked at the picture of the pastor and the youth pastor and the language here. It just something about it was just kind of intriguing to me. And uh, that, that friend uh, persisted after many weeks to get me to church. I remember going to Thanksgiving weekend. I came on that Sunday. I still remember very, very definitely and very, very visibly as if I'm sitting there right now, the pastor preaching that morning from Daniel chapter three on Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and uh, the fiery furnace, and the invitation was given. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When he said, do you want to get saved? I knew I needed to get saved, but I just, I, I fought it. A week later, I, my friend persisted every week to call me on a Saturday church. That said, I prepared myself for that Saturday night. I said, I'm not going. And uh, when he called, I, I, just, I just diffused every question he had, and I was kind of relieved that that was, phone call was over. I hadn't put down the phone for 15 minutes. Doorbell rang. Uh, my father asked me to go to the door to check it out. It was close to eight o'clock at night, Saturday evening. And there was the ninth grade Sunday school teacher that had just taught the lesson before. And uh, he said, you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. And he said, can I come on in and talk to you for a minute? And Brother Folger, we sat on the couch and I literally, as a 14 year old boy, debated with him for two and a half hours of hmm. why I thought he was wrong. And I threw a lot of, lot of, I think some very interesting questions for a 14 year old, but honestly, they were just arrogant questions. Mm -hmm. And he circled back. I, mean, I appreciate that he was, and he had just, he had just finished one year, uh, a one year Bible Institute or uh, at Tennessee Temple schools when Dr. Robertson was, uh, you know, heading it up back in 1970, 1970, 1971. He had just gone back. So he was greatly on fire for the Lord had been involved with so many programs at Highland Park Baptist church. And he said, you know, he said, no, look, I've answered every question you've asked me from the word of God. He said, but you haven't answered my question. Well, we're two hours into this and I, I couldn't remember what the question was. <laughs> and he said, he said, if you died right now, are you going to heaven or hell? I mean, he was very direct on that. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, he said, don't mess with me. And, he, and I said, yes, sir. And um, and I was honest. I said, I, I guess based on what you told me from the Bible, I'm not going to heaven. He says, well, would you admit you're going to hell? I said, well, according to what you're telling me, I guess I am. He says, doesn't that bother you? When he asked that question, did it bother me? That did bother me. Mm -hmm. And I, because it circled back to those, those times I asked those priests and nuns, how can you know for sure you're going to heaven? He showed me verses from the Bible. I don't remember what verses. And he gave me that. He gave me an invitation. He asked me if I'd accept Christ my Savior. 
Brother Folger, on my family couch, where it's still out today, at 10.30 that Saturday night on December 4th, 1971, I called on the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Amen. And uh, life was never the same. I mean, just God, God changed me. I, I wish I had time to tell you all the changes there, but I, I pretty much, um, I got saved then. I, I was. It took about four years before I could really come to church regularly. We had a family business that required me to help at the store on Sundays. So at most, I was able to go maybe one Sunday a month. Uh, sometimes if it was good, two Sundays a month, but most of it was only one Sunday morning a month. I was able to go to the Friday youth activity. I attribute a lot of my spiritual growth was that I had a another young man that was about my age who met with me every Tuesday afternoon. We went to the old Navigators discipleship books back in the day. Mm. And uh, I went through about book six there. And I just, I just, the word of God got a hold of me, man. And it just, you know, I, I learned how to pray. I, I mean, got past a lot of my questions. And, uh, and then the day came around my first year of college when, when my father had more help in the store, I was able to come to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday nights. It was right about that time. God just really started working my life. Um, you know, God put in my heart a lot of things. I, w- I really wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with myself. And I, so I kept on going through secular college and things. And, and I wanted to go into business. I had a heart for business. And so I went the business route, worked for a company for three and a half years, and then branched out on my own. And just uh, slowly over time, over, over almost 30 years, 27 years or so, uh, built a very thriving business here in the East Bay. And, uh, we were in the healthcare sector when healthcare was a, was a hot hot commodity to be involved with. And in the healthcare sector, we did extremely well. Had over 200 plus corporate clients, and we were just doing very very well. We probably were in the I probably would say we were probably in the upper the upper 10 percent of the of, uh, companies that did our type of thing in in the state of California there, in terms of regional type companies. But um, during that time, uh, our church got started in 1999. And uh, we were part of that church plant. We had prayed and prepared for it for, for, for two years, actually for three years. We prayed and, and prepared it. God provided a pastor to lead it. He, but he told us that he wasn't, he wasn't planning to stay long. He was a mission, a mission field. And uh, he helped us get it started. Um, he had to deal with just a lot of his culture shock and coming back to the States and just things that he was not um, prepared for. And, you know, which affected both he and his family. And uh, but we worked together well. We, we saw God take a church with just a handful of people and God grew a church uh, right there. And um, there in the Oakland area, which moved us to San Leandro and uh, there. And, but all along the way there, God had been working my heart from pretty much 1998 uh, up until the time I was called to be the pastor about just wanting to do something. It was during that time God God just brought me under the influence of some very very wonderful pastors. I've always loved pastors. I've always supported pastors, but uh, you know one of the men that God brought me in contact with was has been been just uh, you know I, I think there's many words I could use a friend, uh, a pastor, a mentor, and all that. But I think you'd have to sum it all, all together. Uh, Dr. Paul Chapel uh, just reached out to me in those early days when the church was uh, before the church was started. And actually was the impetus and the one who introduced us to the founding pastor mm-hmm. and was just kind of stayed right by the side of it and really mentored me from a distance. And uh, he used his friendship as well as spiritual leadership conference and my minimal involvement. I could help with the college to to basically to be a mentor to me. And the Lord just kind of used his influence and things that happened when our, our founding pastor announced that he was going to uh, go back to the mission field. He told me first over lunch. And then when he came back, he asked to meet with me. It was on a Friday night. My wife and I were at the church. We had a, uh, one of our college groups meeting. We were there helping them. I can't, I noticed his car was in the lot. I went by to see him. I said, uh, well, what did the Lord tell you? He says, he said, I'm going. 
And he said, you're going to be the next pastor. <laughs> That's what he said. You're going to be the next pastor. Well, if I can jump in right now, we're going to kind of wrap this segment up and we're going to pick up our conversation here next week. Uh, so again, I want to encourage our, our listeners to join us uh, when we come back and pick up our conversation with Pastor Alan Fong, pastor at Heritage Baptist Church in San Leandro, California. And uh, again, I want to encourage our listeners to uh, let others know about this particular podcast. Uh, I believe it's unusual because it is a really a conversation between friends about life and ministry. And so uh, once again, thank you, Pastor Fong, for being with us today. And we're looking forward to picking up our conversation here again next week. Thank you, Brother Folger. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.